Well, hi all. I'm Ness Jones and I'm in Australia. I'm from Separation and Anxiety in Dogs Decoded. And with me today is... Hello there. This is Stacy Bell from... <laughs> it's on my cover. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't do it. I don't know how Sarah sounds. <laughs> Let's just skip me this time. Uh, good day, Cobbers. This is Sarah McLaren from the UK. Uh, I'm from Separation Anxiety Solutions, and today we're going to be talking all about cockapoos. God, do I sound like Steve Irwin? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I am so bad at accents. We're not doing it. I mean, like, it's fine. We can't do this again. Way too stressful for me. Okay. A lot of your clients are cockapoos, aren't they? Well, well, we're talking about all sorts of poos. So big smelly ones, little hard ones. You know, if you feed raw, your poos will be a bit smaller than... No, yeah. am I on the wrong subject? <laughs> mm. So, contrary to Nessie's intro there, uh, today, in all seriousness, we're going to do a bit of a, a breed special for you. So we've decided that we might do a few of these over the coming weeks or months. Not one every week, obviously, but... Every now and then we'll throw one in. Uh, so today we're going to talk all about oodles of doodles and cockapoos and any other kind of oodle doodle you can think of. Um, Ness calls them poos. Poos and some of them can be like a, a cheap poo would be a cheap poo, what? but then like a labradoodle would be a doodle, but it's still a poodle cross. Both of them are poodle crosses. Yeah, or, or a groodle, which is a golden retriever cross with the poodle. Oh, uh, we call oh, them no, golden doodles. You call yeah, them golden, golden doodles. doodles. Yeah, so it's confusing, mm -hmm, isn't yeah. it? And then you've got um, yeah. spoodles, which is a spaniel cross with a poodle. Which is a cockapoo. Which is a cockapoo. And, yeah. And but there's also cavapoos as well, which is a cavalier <laughs> spaniel cross with a poodle. <laughs> And then we will say what a shit so and a poodle's called. You say, did you swear? No. <laughs> what did you say? A shit so and a poodle. She swore, Stacey. 
I'm gonna have to mark this when I'm doing the editing. I'm gonna have to mark it as as uh, there are swear words in this. Yeah. What did you say? I what? She swear. Schnoodle. Swear. Swear. Mickey out of it. Schnoodle is a schnauzer and poodle. There's so yeah. many varieties now. Like I um, looked it up in case Ness tried to challenge me with another list. Did you know Any there's process? a great Dane Oodle? A great Dane Oodle. I mean. I never heard of that. No, it's I haven't either, but apparently it's a thing. And I mean, that would be an interesting mix. Would be an interesting well, mix. It seems, but, I mean, basically it seems quite the thing to cross anything mm-hmm. with Oodle. Well, Saying that, back in 1960-something, 70-something, I have tried my hardest to find the clip, and I can't find it anywhere, but there was um, an episode of a programme called Horizon. So Horizon was a programme that was uh, put out in the UK years ago, and they used to talk about all kinds of worldly things. Uh, and <laughs> one of the things that they spoke about on one particular series was, was the origin of the dog, and how they descended from wolves and so on and so forth. And one of the tests that they used to decide whether two um, breeds or two species, whether they're compatible, is to breed them. And then if the offspring are fertile, then the, the breeds are compatible. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what they did was cross a wolf with a poodle. Are you joking? So, no, nope. so this is back in the 70s, or it was either wow. 60s or 70s, this is a long time ago, and they had some of the footage on this programme, and they'd obviously used standard poodles, and they were big, black, uh, and to be fair, quite scary looking, they looked like the kind of dogs that you'd use in a horror film, you know, like the hellhounds, because a lot of them had... You've they just didn't have the curly hair, but they can didn't just, have, yeah. Can I just interrupt you for a sec? You've just quoted the lines from, I think it was... A Rowan, no, it was a Ronnie skit or something. It's big, it's black, and it's furry, and I'd be afraid of it. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> no. No. Oh, my, all right, carry on. <laughs> oh, that's good. Then I'm quoting things without even knowing. Yeah, but the, I mean, and this was, I remember watching it and being absolutely fascinated with the fact that they'd actually crossed walls with poodles oh. all these years ago, when and now it's like, you know, it's a major um, mm-hmm. fashionable thing. So were they fertile? Yes, they were. Yeah, because yeah. wolves and dogs can cross, can't they, and, and have baby wolflings mm. and wolfy poos. Um, but wow. yeah, so it all, all worked out how it how it should do, and it was really interesting because they did look they looked like something from a horror film. There was lots of very sort of spiky fur and and you know amber eyes and things. It was mm. like oh, what would I cross that on a dark is, night? That is scary. Yeah. Excuse me. So, so I just wanted to put that out there that they have been around for quite a while. Um, obviously, the reason that we're talking about them in this context, though, is, is from the separation anxiety point of view. And yes, what it is, particularly about, I think I sort of like landed on cockapoos primarily, purely and simply because there's so many of them. Yeah, they are massively represented within. Um, most countries these days i think in america apparently they've been around since about 1960 uh so they're very they've got a lot of longevity behind them there's a lot of them around and we get quite a lot of clients that have oodles and doodles 
Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. a case of you might assume that oodles and poos and whatnot um, have a high prevalence of separation anxiety, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that. It's more the fact that there's just simply so many of them. Yeah, they are very represented. So I've had my books out. Oh, good. So I've, I've in, one of the books that I've been at is uh, Meet Your Dog by Kim Brophy. Yes, that was a good yeah. book. Well, I thought it was a good one for, for the purposes of this little chat. So yeah, I was thinking about that one as well. Yeah, so in her book, what she basically does is, is she categorises the dogs in their, I suppose it would be, it's a bit like the Kennel Club category, category isn't it? So yeah, they're, I think a little bit different, but similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it, it picks them out into so we've got natural dogs, which are sort of like the old type breeds, like huskies and malamutes and things like that. Um, guardian dogs, sight hounds, uh, toy dogs, which for the purposes of our conversation would be the toy poodle, who, bless his little cotton socks, is crossed with an awful lot of different dogs these days. So mm-hmm. she does give under the heading of toy dogs this little kind of um, hit list of things that you might get along with a toy dog. So it's not just toy poodles, it's basically a generalisation of toy dogs and it is very much a generalisation. I wouldn't read this and go, oh, I'm not getting a toy breed because. But she does list separation anxiety. She does list house training. Um, She also lists excessive barking. Don't know where she's got that from. Uh, (laughs) Handling and grooming intolerance. And I think a lot of that is not just because they're intolerant to handling and grooming, but because they have to have so much of it compared yes. to your average dog with a short coat who doesn't need mm-hmm. that much grooming. These guys need a lot of grooming um, and reactivity, which again, I think, you know, depends a lot upon how, you know, where they are and, and where they're born and maternal things and stuff. As yeah. You know. Yeah, that was the only thing I wasn't so sure of about that book. Well, probably not the only thing because, you know, how I am. Um, but the, the parts that she pulled out the breeds, I think there were a couple that were, that she indicated that the common problems for that breed might be separation anxiety. And like, my only thing is that none of the studies have shown that, you know, kind of conclusively that there are breed tendencies. I mean, I think there were two studies and they and they disagreed with each other. And then there were other studies that said no. So I think there needs to be more research on that before we make the assertion that certain breeds or breed categories are more Who was that study in 2020? I think there was like over, well over 200 dogs, um, 260 dogs, I think. And the basic conclusion was it was more likely to be mixed breeds Mm-hmm. that had it so not a definite breed per se and except for <laughs> wheat and terriers that had a propensity for separation anxiety that's, that's yeah. interesting as well because there's not i mean you don't meet that many wheat and terriers no 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 so like, they're not yeah. that common are they um so yes yeah, so, i mean i think the thing with the book is it is a massive generalization but there are a couple of things mm-hmm. that it, it, you know, it does pick up in there so one of the ones was the house soiling which again can be a, a small a bit of a small dog thing um and not necessarily the, the fact that it's a small dog but just because small dogs tend to go more often they can go when you're not watching 
uh, and they can mm -hmm. be more difficult in that respect. Um, uh, and the handling and grooming thing, which is a big thing, and the barking, which are the things that we look out for in separation anxiety, but could be a propensity for the breed. So if we're looking at that side for the toy dogs, and then the other side is the hounds, uh, the, sorry, not what you call it, gun dogs. Now your average cocker, there's, in the UK, we've got two types of cocker, basically. We've mm -hmm. got the shock cocker, and we've got the working the cocker, and I think mm -hmm. you've got the same in the US, haven't you, Stacey? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, what uh, English cockers in Australia? We have every cocker. <laughs> we have we have all, all the same breeds as you guys here. So it's a spaniel. Yeah, it's just, it's just um, obviously because in in the US they've got the specific American cocker, uh, which is very different to the English one. I'd say you also have a different, English, but yeah, yeah. You also Don't have me. a different name for the working cockers in America that I can't remember. It begins with I think it's begin with a B. I don't know. I always just think of them as working cockers. Now I feel like I should do research. Uh, I'm sure. I think it begins with a B. I know someone's mentioned it somewhere before, and I've been like, "A oh, what?" Uh, and it's basically a what we'd what we'd call a working cocker. So the they're bred to flush game. Uh, they're bred to do a job. Particularly the working cockers, they're much smaller. They've got a lot more energy. They've got better muscle tone generally than the working cockers. They've got shorter ears, less fur, uh, and they can be very, very, very busy. Uh, and you put that together with a poodle um, and you could have a whole host of weird and wonderful things going on together. So cockers are often known for their impulsivity, for their distractibility, particularly when they're out, when they're going hunting for things. Uh, they can be quite ecstatic greeters. They like to jump up at people. Sometimes they can be destructive. They can be hyperactive. They can be sensitive to live noises. Uh, some of them, it says here, problematic oral fixations, including incessant ball pushing. Oh, Top that's pushing. like labs. <laughs> that's a big yeah. lab thing. Uh, and Peter Pan complex. I can't, how a dog can have a Peter Pan complex? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, <clears throat> the other thing to even think about with like standard poodles were bred for yeah. um, waterfowl retrieval. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So they're um, a working breed as well. And so yeah. you've got, yeah. you know, two working breed and a lot of the mixes that <clears throat> we were talking about um, or that, that are commonly mixed are working breeds. So I think that's something that's really um, important to keep in mind when you're getting the dog is that you, when you have two working breeds that are bred together, A, you don't know, necessarily know what traits are gonna become predominant or what yeah. you're gonna see in the dog, but also that um, the needs of that dog as far as exercise enrichment are likely higher than, um, you know, other breeds that you might get. Fun fact, fun fact. In, mm. 19, in 1942, in the midst of World War II, the US Army took 32 different dog breeds to war, uh, including the standard poodle. Mm. Um, and the Army loved their ability to learn, um, but a huge drawback was the fast-growing coat. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, quite interesting. So they weren't actually shipped out overseas, but they definitely looked at them. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're smart dogs. They need, people don't think of poodles as working breeds at all, do they? But I don't think so, yeah. Breeds, well, yeah. it and it's funny because the, the poodle cut, like the floofy around the chest and around the joint. Floofy, I love that word. Floofy. <laughs> floofy. Um, that, that wasn't originally done to make them look pretty or anything like that. It was done to cut off all the fur um, to make them be able to swim faster, but still have fur around like the organ areas and the joint areas to protect those areas yeah. from cold water. So it's, yeah. it's, it's funny because we think of that floofy cut, or at least I think a lot of people think of that floofy cut as like, um, you know, like little dainty princessy kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's not the origin of it at all. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. And only Stanley, Stanley Karen's got um, an intel the intelligence of dogs. He ranks dogs on the, the scale of intelligence oh. and, and, and how many commands they can learn, blah, 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 blah. And number two on the list is the poodle. So we're, you know, we're way up there as far as intelligence is concerned. I think the Cocker Spaniel is somewhere around 18 or 20. But poodles mm -hmm. only come, poodle, poodles are on a par with a, with a Border Collie as far as the level of intelligence is concerned. So, so how do they rate the intelligence? Do they look at like different types of intelligence? Because I really think that, you know, just like with people, there can be people who are book smart, but like, no, you know, are, aren't really great yeah. socially. Um, yeah. So I think, so I wonder how, how he figured that out. He, from what I've read of, of the scale, it's, it's on the, their ability to pick up uh, new cues and learning of new behaviours. But obviously, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so if you look at a Cocker Spaniel and the way that they work, so one of the things that a Cocker Spaniel is well known for is what they call quartering, which is where they do that figure of eight movement when they're hunting to mm -hmm. push out birds which I don't I've never seen a poodle do um and I don't mm -hmm. think it's not something that's in the nature to do so if you were to base intelligence on that then yeah there's no there's no comparison because one does it yeah their, yeah because uh, that's part the of their so, yeah yeah part of their yeah. instinctive behavior or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So it's whatever it's part of their hunting pattern so you, you mm -hmm. can compare them like that but when you put them together then like you said we don't know what's going to come out right uh and you know you've got a dog that does require an awful lot of input certainly within the first couple of years there's an awful lot of uh, intelligence in there with the pair of them put together there's an awful lot of uh, energy in there there's a lot of mental energy that you need to work out and then of course mm -hmm. there's the coat so this the is what's being the the coat the coat oh. the, the fur so you might have a dog that is prone to separation anxiety or, or you found your little cockapoo puppy's got separation anxiety and then you find out that you've got to send them off to the groomers every six to eight weeks because right. that coat just keeps on growing forever and ever and ever. <laughs> right. Uh, and it doesn't shed. <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't. But it doesn't go anywhere either. They just keep getting fatter and fatter and fatter by the minute. So, you know, something's got to be done with it. So what do you do then when you've got your separation anxiety puppy and they need to go to the groomers every eight weeks? Because most groomers right. do tend to 
coffees in kennels, not in crates. Well, I think also, um, you know, it, it kind of, a lot of dogs who have been groomed become more sensitive throughout their lifetime to it, right? Like just because it has to happen so often and it may not be something that they love. And if, um, you know, there's just like there's different levels of trainers, there's also, um, you know, different levels of um, groomers. There are some groomers who take a lot of care to make, make sure it's a positive experience for your dog. They try to lay some foundation behaviors. There are even um, fear-free, there's the fear-free designation for groomers. And so there's like a movement that really tries um, and maybe even does like um, just short fun visits to the groomer and stuff like that to try to kind of counterbalance some of the things that your dog might not love when they're there. Um, but there's other groomers who you know, we'll just try to rush to get it done, even if the dog is really stressed. So, you know. Yeah, they're not all created equal. You just got to do your research and make sure you find yes. one that suits your dog and it's, it's um, yeah, and it's how it can cope with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and they do in American. I don't know if they have these by you all, but um, y'all, y'all, um, but they have mobile groomers who will come in yeah. like a grooming van. Yeah, and come to your house um and then maybe that would be less stressful because you wouldn't have the separation element there um although yeah. you still have all the other stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've got a few cavapoos as clients now. oh i did I, I don't have any now but i i've had quite a few of them as well yeah yeah um but yeah so i don't know the, the cavalier spaniel they're working dogs as well aren't they not sure what their history is actually let me have a look um sarah the the working lines here are usually just called working lines or field bread yeah so i don't the name for i don't know what the d thing is that you're thinking of but we'll have to look on uh, uh, that uh -huh. um the the other thing that i noticed is that um when my clients dogs need to be groomed and they already have situational meds for um, maybe other situations um, for training or whatever. Um, a lot of them are hesitant to use them for things like grooming. So I think it's a really good idea to have a conversation if you're not comfortable as a pet parent with when you're supposed to or when you're allowed to use your situational medications um talk to your vet about that to get some clarity because um for the most part sending them with situational meds before a grooming visit can really help make that a less negative experience for your dog So just, um, so apparently the Cavalier was a bird hunter as well. So there you go. Yeah, I think, was it, uh, wasn't it Queen Victoria that had loads no, of birds? it was Charles, Charles II. Oh, was it? Oh, oh yeah, maybe. King <laughs> Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Cavalier Spaniel. But there's, there's two. There's the King Charles Cavalier Spaniel and there's the... Hang on a minute. No, there's there's two there's two separate 
the Cavalier right. type, the King Charles one, and dun, 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 dun. <laughs> anyway, there were also lap warmers, of course, as well. <laughs> that was a hard job. You're right, then. Sneezing. Boykin, that's it. What? Boykin. B O Y. Boykin. B O Y K I N. Boykin Spaniel. Huh. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I guess it. Where is it you live? In North Carolina. I oh, live in North Carolina, y'all. <laughs> this mellow house dog and tenacious bird dog was once South Carolina's best kept secret. Oh. Huh. But they weren't. I guess they're just not super common. <laughs> but the or... the boykins, from what I've seen, look just like uh, a lot of British working cocker spaniels. I mean, apart from the fact that they only come in Liverpool, I think. Mm. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's basically a working cocker by the look of it. So I guess, I mean, if, if you're talking about oodles and poos in general, where, you know, if you think of like the groodle, which you call the golden doodle, but we call it the golden retriever crossed with the poodle. I mean, mm -hmm. golden retrievers are uh, also water dogs, retrieving dogs, mm -hmm. again, working dogs. So you've got that component in there. Same with the Labradors, working dogs, mm -hmm. labradoodles. Um, Even the Jack Russell poodle crosses. What's um, that called? You know, a jackapoo jackapoo of course jackapoo. yeah yeah um, yeah oh my god yes that would be a interest yeah i mean jack russell's <laughs> like full on oh. yeah yeah full on <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so there's a lot of you know when i started looking at the crosses that are out there there's a lot of working dogs that they working dogs crossed with working dogs which you know if if you're up for that and you realize that going in and you yeah. can provide the activity level or meet the um mental stimulation needs that the dog has that's fine but if you think you're getting a couch potato dog <laughs> and you get <laughs> and you get yeah. these two working breeds um and that's, then yeah that's one of the Go things ahead. that we look at as well isn't it when you get the, the separation anxiety dog and someone comes to you and says oh my dog's destroying the house or um you know the howling all day long or something like that one of the first things that we need to look at is is the dog getting enough exercise and enrichment because that mm -hmm. in itself if they're not getting enough if they're seriously not getting enough then that can present as separation yeah. anxiety because that's what it looks like destruction but uh you know of the home can look like separation anxiety but if you've got a young bored cockapoo then it's more likely to be running around your house throwing cushions around because it's bored or <laughs> yeah, your furniture, you know, yeah digging things out from under the sideboard or all you know <laughs> splashing about in the water dish all the things that you really don't want them to do could be because there's an element of boredom in there so they're the thing you know for the cockapoo owners for you certainly for younger cockapoo owners you need to be doing as much as you can to facilitate their ability to use natural behaviors and for you to know that if there are some separation anxiety issues that you've done everything you can to offset the other things it could be so make sure that when you get them you take them to the groomers 
uh, you know, as soon as you can carry them, basically. They don't need to have any grooming done, but get them out there, get them used to going to the groomers, make sure that you're meeting all their exercise needs, make sure that you're meeting all their enrichment needs, particularly their need to hunt and sniff and things like that for, for that side of, of, because both cockapoos, both cockers and poodles like to be in everything and, and sniffing and doing doggy stuff, you know, just because it's a curly kid doesn't make them less doggy, does it? Mm-mm. Still, They still have all those needs. So, you know, it's, it's really important that you meet all those needs when they're younger. And then you do have less chance of separation anxiety, hopefully. And wh- which was the study that they showed that um, going to training classes and things actually helped? With oh, yeah, anxiety. there was a study on that. Um, I forget the name of it, but Which, there was a study on that. On actual training classes. That showed um, yeah, yeah. going to a puppy class helped. Um, okay. See if I can find it. I mean, I know this, that we talked about it last week, the one where, you know, the more um, confidence building, socialization that they get between mm-hmm. the ages, yeah. um, um, you know, they say five to nine months or something, but obviously we would start younger where possible. Yeah. Um, five months is like that window's um, closing a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. but you know, saying that the more confidence and socialization, building exercises that they have, the better, the less likely they're going to be to get separation anxiety. Um, yeah, but, so that's a different study, obviously, to to what you're talking about, though, Stacey or Sarah. Yes, um, I, I can't find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely there's been some correlation between early training and and like you say, confidence building and uh, less likelihood of separation anxiety. I'm, I'm assuming because they're just mm. more confident. Yeah, yeah. It's all about building independence, isn't it? But in a natural way, not not a forced way. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, helping them feel that they can get out in the world, not cling to mum. And uh, yeah, cope when they're by themselves. Yeah. We have talked about that in previous episodes. So um, listeners, you could dig into the one we did with Jessica Ring about puppies, um, Mm -hmm. how to to develop them, how to try and avoid separation anxiety. And we also did that one on independence training and whether it's appropriate for separation anxiety, which is a good one as well to listen to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... um, since grooming for the, this group of dogs is a um, fact of life, mm-hmm. do we want to, um, I know that we've already talked about some ideas, but do we want to throw out some additional ideas? Do y'all have any other additional ideas to help um, safeguard puppies experience or dogs experience while they are at the groomers? I mean, if you can find um, one that comes to you, the mobile ones, are they very prevalent in England? I mean, here we've, you know, it's not too hard because of the weather, you know, like it's not really going to be that cold. But I imagine, you know, if it's the middle of winter, you're not really going to want to use a mobile groomer, would you? Or would you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they, they work over here. And a lot, I mean, you know, they've got big old vans and most of them have got... Oh, okay. They might look different to the ones here. Ours are kind of open, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, the ones I've seen over here are more um, 
you know, like a like a big camper van that you right. take the dog yeah. inside and yeah. you've got all the same equipment that you would have at a, at a grooming parlour. So it's all very similar. But um, yeah, that we've got they are quite common over here. Hmm. Uh, and like all things, I think one of the things is about educating your groomer as well or finding a groomer that's more open to understand that they really don't want to leave your dog on its own. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, even, and even for a dog that doesn't have separation anxiety to start off with mm-hmm. you need to you know, find a groomer where you can actually go in there with them where they can turn the dryers on and things like that and the dog just has a really nice experience without anything bad happening I mean that goes a long way towards longevity at the groomers for sure the same as you might try to do that with getting your dog comfortable with a vet mm-hmm. going to the vet exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah no reason why not to take that vet thing and put it with the groomer you know do the same thing with the groomers if they allow it right right well and then and then just addressing the confinement thing right so if um your puppy struggles with confinement then being in a crate even if it's right by where the groomer is working on another dog is not a good option for them Mm -hmm. um and even if they're good in the crate at home they might not be okay in the group crate at the groomers so I would just um really talk to your groomer about the signs that your dog shows for anxiety and not wanting to um let your dog cry it out or you know try to work through it or whatever language that sometimes surrounds that just letting them know that that if your dog is upset, you will pick them up, even if the grooming is not complete, um, yeah. you know, or if you're waiting in the parking lot, then you can come in and do that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's good to have that conversation because the groomer might feel pressure to finish the job, um, that you might be angry that the dog is not, you know, all the way cut or all the way dry or, you know, whatever, um, but that's something to pay attention to yeah or have a conversation about if if you have got a dog that's if you know your dog's got separation issues then the other side of that is if you are doing the training if you're doing desensitization training if your dog's been to the groomers the general advice from us would be don't do the training that day and maybe depending on how stressful they find visit to the groomers you might not even want to do the training the following day because for some mm-hmm. dogs, even the, even the ones that look like they're enjoying it, it can be incredibly stressful for them. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that I've noticed is that a lot of dogs are really itchy after being groomed, um, and so that's a whole thing to pay attention to as well, because that discomfort can affect how well your dog can cope with being home alone, and so uh, your session might not go as well if you're seeing your dog itch a lot so I don't really know what to do about that like they they wash them and then they cut them and then do they try to blow the extra hair off I've never had a dog that you had a groom so I'm not really sure what the process is Sarah (laughs) Sarah, this is all you (laughs) it depends on the course because the other the other thing of course with uh, oodles and doodles is particularly cockapoos I think and labradoodles is they don't always have they have very different coats mm-hmm. so they're not always non-malting I think it's something like 50-50 mm-hmm. 
yeah yeah malt versus don't malt and the ones that even the curly coats have very different curly coats from wiry ones to really really soft ones so they'll all have a different way of being groomed you know if it's a okay. if it's a malting <clears throat> dog then they tend to i think they wash them and then cut them and then blow it all out mm-hmm. and i think with the yeah, I'm pretty sure it's... I don't know. I'm not going to say I know because I don't. <laughs> okay. I only know what I do with her <laughs> Okay. The, the other thing that I did want to mention is the whole ears thing. Um, there are some groomers who... And vets who will say you have to pluck their ears out or they'll be more prone to infection. And then others are the exact opposite. I think the more current thinking and Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, is don't pluck the ears, but yeah, talk to us about that. Oh, that's one of those. Uh, it's, it's like talking about religion. If you start talking about ear plucking on the oh, group, okay. oh my God, do we, it's, you know, it's like raw feeding. It's just, just don't go there. I mean, Okay. I personally don't pluck in his ears because I think obviously it's, it's painful. And when you pull mm-hmm. hairs out, things get inflamed. And if they get inflamed, they get hot. And if they get hot, then bacteria grows and bingo, you've got an ear infection. Um, my advice from my vet also was don't put anything in their ears unless you have a need to. So don't be washing them out just arbitrarily mm-hmm. because their ears stay clean naturally, just like ours do. You know, mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't be doing stuff in our ears either. So <laughs> it's one of those kind of touchy uh, subjects. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a client um, who had um, an oodle and she was getting chronic ear infections, like just really bad. And I did mention like, oh, next time you get a groomed, see if like a couple iterations of not plucking her ear hair can help um so and her vet disagreed with me well one vet in the practice really strongly disagreed with me and another vet in the practice really strongly agreed with me Uh so she felt very conflicted because she was getting all (laughs) of this different information um from different sides so that that's just really difficult yeah that's tough especially when you but that can if if after grooming, you're seeing that your dog's ears are bothered, um, or if they're inflamed or, you know, whatever, that can also affect how well um, they do with training. So there's a lot to kind of think about there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And ear, ear, ear infections are massive. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients I've had with cockapoos that yes. the training's not being done great and they've been to the vet and the dog's had an ear infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I've know, had that too. Yeah, that's, that's pretty common. It would um, okay, so then um, another option, which is, it, it sounds like what you do, Sarah, is to groom them yourself. How how tough is that? <laughs> well, poor Ernie <laughs> seems to, he, he looks permanently like he's been dragged out of an orphanage. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he never looks great. And, and of course, because I can do it myself, I tend to do it a bit at a time. So, you know, I'll <laughs> two legs, then I'll, then I'll do other two. So, he does tend to walk around in some rare old states, but he doesn't care. Uh, so, and it's easier for me. I don't have to worry about him being in the groomers and getting stressed about mm-hmm. Do you ever do anything fun, like give him a mohawk or, I don't know, some ringlets, some long hair down the side, like he's got a pigtail or? 
well we do i tend to do different things with his head <laughs> so at the minute he's sporting his uh what did someone say to me the other day that it looked like michael hutchins uh he's sporting <laughs> his long hair at the minute and his long ears uh i won't be get fed up with that i'll shave bits off so we do if you shave his ears off he looks like a little lamb because his ears are really tiny Aww. Uh, and then we'll shave his head off and then he looks like a peanut uh, <laughs> and then sometimes I try to do the bit where you do the little bobbly bits on his oh, yes. feet and then just shave his toes and I do try but I'm just I'm absolutely hopeless I'm, you know I've never been, <laughs> never been um, it's, a good, it's a good job he's not bothered because he uh, I think he would not appreciate it I've got a client shout out to Chloe Minnie and uh, James um, they have now, you would call it a cavapoo, but they call it a, we call it a cavoodle. So same, 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 but different name. Um, but there, she, oh God, she is so adorable, this dog. She's really, really cute. But she's, um, she's one of the wire ones. So she doesn't look, mm. she hasn't got the curly coat that a poodle yeah. might. Yeah, she's really wiry and she's got a little beard and oh God, oh. <laughs> She's a little minx though, because she's she learned that when she was um, like younger, she used to be able to open the front door, so she would jump up and open the front door. Oh wow! Yeah, so they've put a they've done it so that she can't open it now. But so she still, mm -hmm. when we're doing the training, she'll try and like, oh, can I get out here? And then every now and then she'll try the garage door. Can I get out here? Oh my god! It's gosh. not fair based. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, like it's, uh, let's have a see see what I can get away with kind of thing. But yeah, she's pretty yeah. cute. Yeah. Shout out. Super smart. Yeah. yeah, the other thing as well that I have noticed with a lot of cockapoos, and I don't know actually whether this is with a lot of dogs with separation anxiety or just with a lot of cockapoos, is there seems to be a, a there seems to be quite a lot of gastric issues. Now I don't know whether that's just because we get presented with that a lot because we get a lot of cockapoos and a lot of dogs with separation anxiety, or whether there is actually some link That's between yeah whether it's really there or not uh which would be interesting to know because it does seem to be quite common yeah yeah yeah, yeah i do think it's fairly off. common in it seems to be fairly common in anxious dogs mm. so i want like so i wonder if the prevalence is actually higher in yeah. cockapoos or oodles and poos or if it's just i mean are poodles known to have sensitive stomachs or uh, gastric they're, they're systems very, well we're back to this again i mean if you go on the poodle groups there's a you know it's like every oh. group that you go on isn't it? Every, dog, every dog is special every breed is special and we know you know they've all got their own quirks mm -hmm. but when you, when you work with dogs like we do across the board you realize that actually a lot of these things are just across the board it's not right. just that particular breed so the mm -hmm. biggest complaint on poodle groups is fussy dogs. Um, and in my experience, often a fussy dog, doing air quotes here, is a dog that has gastric things going on. Mm -hmm. That's the reason that fussy is because some of the things that they eat don't agree with them, which then in turn makes them not want to eat certain things because it might not feel very nice which then right. turns makes them, you know, and it's just one one big vicious circle. So mm -hmm. that's quite common within. Yeah. It, it's which yeah. first, isn't it? So if you've got a dog with separation yeah. anxiety and it's got gastric issues, 
and I'm not talking about a genetic thing, but like, um, you know, is it because they're anxious, so they're having mm -hmm. gastric issues, or did the gastric issues kind of create the anxiety about being by themselves, yeah. maybe being locked in the house, can't get out to toilet, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's it probably differs for every dog, I guess, which one is... And if it's anything like us, I mean, quite a, few, a number of years ago, I had IBS, and mm. I'm not quite... Then that, that was a bit of a chicken and egg thing because the, the anxiety around what you might feel like when you go right. out then quite often mm -hmm. creates... Uh, the issue that you don't want when you're out to start off with and it's this yeah. whole like which, which way did it start oh. <laughs> yeah so I can uh, I can see where that would come from so I think basically what we're trying to say here is that um cockapoos are not more prone to separation anxiety than any other breed it's just that they are very overrepresented at the minute there's a lot of them around but they are a mixture of generally two very strong working breeds that do require an awful lot of mental and physical um stimulation and enrichment and also require an awful lot of grooming so you have got a lot of work to do at the front end to try and prevent separation anxiety and if you do get separation anxiety then of course who are you going to call it would be <laughs> the separation anxiety busters uh of which there mm. are a number of us including us um so yeah so if you do have separation anxiety with your oodle or doodle then of course the best thing to do is contact a professional and go from there because we are here to help you. So thank you for listening to uh, another episode of uh, the Dogcast. You've been listening to me, Sarah McLaren from Separation Anxiety Solutions in the UK. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. And now on Pinterest, Oh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I've been putting pretty pictures on there. So um, oh, nice. feel free to let's see if you can find me. Um, <laughs> and on my website, separationanxietysolutions.com. And I'm Ness Jones. I am in Australia, mate. Uh, I am from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoders. I am also um, on Facebook. Uh, the same name, um, Instagram, which is underscore nestjones underscore, and my website, which is nestjones.com. And I am Stacey Bell with Focused Fun. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Focused Fun Dogs, and my website is focusedfun.net. Um, we have a slight change to update y'all about our next episode we are going to start with going every other week so we have a giant backlog of episodes so that will give you guys a chance to catch up on those while still listening to new ones as always reach out to us if you have questions or ideas or things that you would like to us to cover on future episodes um like subscribe share um us to others so people can find us and find the information that they need on separation anxiety thanks for listening bye bye, bye. bye.